That first Holy Thursday we commemorate tonight was not so holy. I realize it's not a pleasant thing to hear, neither is it a pleasant thing to say. Still, it's the truth. It was marked by intrigue, ignorance, misunderstanding, betrayal, fear, and worst of all, the loss of hope. The apostles, the first bishops, from whom all bishops and priests in the Catholic and Orthodox churches derived their authority, just had their feet washed. We must remember that washing the feet of others was the task of the lowest-ranking slave in a household. And yet he who is God washed the feet of men, setting the model of how we are to serve others. The apostles had received the first Eucharist, and were given, as we shall hear in the Eucharistic prayer, the command and therefore the power to offer this holy sacrifice perpetually as the new Passover, not by their own power, but by the power of Christ's eternal word. And what happened? Judas betrayed the Lord. Peter would do likewise. All the apostles would desert Jesus when he was arrested, like rats fleeing a sinking ship. That evening, which we commemorate tonight, though Jesus established the mystery of the Eucharist and the gift of his priesthood, was in fact the saddest day in the history of the church. Jesus, the light of the world, offered those men an incredible gift, but they chose with the darkness of their minds. It always strikes me as odd that the priests and the deacons and the bishops are supposed to wear fancy white vestments. I sometimes think it would be more appropriate if we wore purple, or better yet, the black vestments of mourning to commemorate the shame of the apostles then, and if we are brutally honest, our own shame. Clergy and laity. For the times we have abandoned the Lord, thinking there was something or someone else we could turn to as our ultimate hope. The gospel tonight reveals a contradiction between Judas's exalted status as an apostle and the choice he made to betray the Lord. And this provides us with the opportunity to examine the contradictions between the mystery of our faith and how we live it out. Some of us, for example, may be struggling with habitual lying some with hanging on to bitterness and resentments that suddenly explode and usually hit people who don't deserve it. Some may be thriving on the damage their gossip does, and some may be struggling with sexual sins, which always destroys the dignity of those who engage in them. For some, 
The, the contradiction is the claim to be a disciple and yet make every possible excuse to avoid Sunday worship with the community of believers. We know these things are wrong, no matter how hard we try to justify them. So how is it they can become so easily, so deeply entrenched in our lives? The gospel gives an answer. Our translation reads, the devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. I don't like the translation. The Greek text translates as, as the devil had now put into the heart that should betray him, Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. I realize the translation is very awkward in English, but it uses a critical word. Our translation does not. Heart, cardia in Greek. As I've said many times over the years, the ancients, Jesus, had a very different understanding of the word heart than we moderns do. Whereas we focus on the heart as either the physical organ that pumps blood or a symbol of passion and romance, the ancients viewed the heart as the essence of the person. Body, mind, and soul all together. In other words, the whole person. The thought of betraying Jesus, the rationalizations to justify the betrayal, all worked on Judas so that his choice was his choice. The choice of the whole man. Yes, the devil put temptation into the heart of Judas, but Judas entertained the idea, consented to it, and acted on it. And in doing so, he infected the whole of his being. The temptation is not the sin. The sin is entertaining the temptation, consenting to it, and acting on it. This is what strikes a mortal wound. But how could Jesus, who is God, and knew what was happening, have allowed the devil to have such an influence in this most sacred of meals. For the very same reason he's allowing it right now. Every sacred moment we are graced to experience in this life is never immune from being contaminated, twisted, perverted by the consent we give to the evil one to think and act in ways contrary to our dignity as disciples. I remember an old monk at a Trappist monastery told me, there are more demons inside of churches and monasteries than anywhere else, just waiting for an opportunity to attack a soul just nourished by word and sacrament. I think he's right. The demons will take whatever struggle, whatever weakness we have, and tailor, design a temptation to it, often presenting all kinds of seemingly good reasons why acting on the temptation isn't sinful, even good. I'm too young to have this baby. It would be better 
to have it aborted. We really love each other, so why don't we just live together, save some money, and see if we're compatible? I don't have a problem with drinking. You just need to get off my back. You know, Grandma is really suffering. Why don't we just ask the doctor to give her an extra shot of medication and put her out of her misery? I don't need to go to church. I can just pray to God on my own. The goal of every temptation is the same, to get us to willingly reject truth and embrace lies and illusions as truth. Some think that Judas had no choice, and he was really nothing more than some pawn in some grand divine plan. Not so. God never commands anyone to do evil. Some argue that Judas was in so deep he could not have possibly repented or be forgiven. Again, not so. At any point, Judas could have chosen to repent like Peter did. Judas could have returned to the very same hope as Peter did. Judas could have been restored to intimacy with the Lord as Peter was. The horror is that Judas chose for the illusions of his temptation as a greater truth than Jesus, who is the truth. Judas chose to plunge ever deeper into the darkness of his own making. He chose not to ask for forgiveness. Instead, he chose to abandon hope. On this evening Mass of the Lord's Supper, in this sacred meal, Jesus instituted and bestowed on us all two imperfect priests, the mystery we call the Eucharist, where Jesus again comes to feed us with his body, blood, soul, and divinity, we would do well to remember that what the devil was able to accomplish in Judas, he untiringly attempts to do to us. Our strength can never be in ourselves but in our one singular hope, Jesus Christ, and repent when we wandered away from the truth. The disturbing contradiction in this holy night is that no disciple of Jesus is ever more than a hair's width from becoming a Judas and abandoning hope. It is this reality that should compel us at all times to look to Jesus as our hope, our joy, and never doubt his merciful love, no matter what. <laughs>